This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's never good when someone says something and you're like, what was that? Like nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's never good after that. Especially when Josh hasn't spoke like at all since we started the call. Exactly. He's been like saving up a gem and I missed it. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. You play with the game. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Clock Dodgers podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I am your host, Neil. With me are two guys who I trust more than anyone besides myself to give out championship winning advice here on the podcast. First, we have the man who made trades with my opponent in our Dynasty League playoffs and almost caused me to lose. What's up, Adam? So close. Not, not cool, man. I know that was intentional, too. And we also have the only person to have Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston, and George Kittle on the same team last week and somehow still get knocked out of the playoffs. What's up, Josh? You know, Adam traded my opponent, Tyler Higby. I know he did. You don't think, that was, you don't think that was intentional, Josh? What's up, guys? What's up? <laughs> he literally traded my opponent and your opponent, a all player, right, right now before. Now, for all the listeners, if you participate in Dynasty Leagues, one of the best times to trade if you are eliminated from the playoffs, is in the playoffs to the teams that are in the playoffs. It, it, it's just, it's so easy. And it pisses people off. And that's always fun, too. <laughs> I didn't appreciate it, Adam. You actually hey. got, uh, Josh, how much points did you get beat by? Was it a Higby type of A thing? lot. <laughs> oh, okay. Was it a Higby? I feel like it was a Higby. I feel it like was- he- it was more than a Higby. It was like one and a half Higbys. <laughs> it just added insult to injury. I almost, injury. I almost got beat by an Amendola, so it would have been <laughs> way worse. <laughs> but I did reach out to uh, people on Twitter, you know, the Clock Dodger family out there, the listeners, asking them to share with us players who did save their season for those who won. They saved them in week 15. They're bringing them into the championship week. I wanted to, you know, shout out those people, shout out the players who kept their seasons alive. So I'm just going to list down some of the people really quick. Shout out to Victor at off field underscore mascot who said the Vikings defense came up big for him. I didn't have any defense. I don't have any defense leagues, really. So defense didn't play for me at all. But I I, I see defenses have helped a lot of people this year, like the Patriots and stuff. So I, I get it. Um, also, big up to Austin. I don't want to mess up the last name, but it's at Austin underscore G underscore H. And uh, he said he gave love to A.J. Brown, Tyler Higby, Zeke, and Patriots D. That's across a couple different leagues. But, again, a, a defense in the thank yous here, man. Um, my guy, Sophisticated Savage at DeMurray, 
He saluted Kenyon Drake. I don't know if anyone's seen that one coming. I guess some people did. Ryan Tannehill and a kicker, Kai Forbath. We don't really allow any kicker love on the show, but you know this is a we'll, we'll, we'll make an exception. Um, I still hate Future's music too. He's a he's a he's a fan of Future's music. I'm not a fan of it. Um, Michael B's cousin at Bam Jordan. He had appreciation for Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley, who he said finally showed up. Take a victory lap, Bam. And we got the other Josh, Josh number two. He actually hit us up at generally underscore aware. He said he swapped out. He swapped in AJ Brown last second instead of Sutton, and he won by 0.48 points. That's pretty crazy. And last but not least, my opponent in the Clock Dodgers Dynasty League, the man attempting to block me from the winnings I so very much deserve, Beryl Joffrey. Is that, how you say? Is that how you guys say it when you look at it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just making sure. I didn't want, you know, I, I want to purposely slander his name, but I don't know a way to do it. So at Barrow Joffrey, he sends his thanks to Julio Jones. My plan is to smack this mother this week. But anyway, good luck. He didn't think I would say it. He said, I dare you to shout it out. I'm going to shout you out, man. No problem. No problem. He thinks I'm running into like a buzzsaw this week. I'm not worried about it, Josh. He's not going to higby me, my friend. He's not going to higby me. Uh, let's move on to the uh, oh! shout out to all those people, man. Everyone's great. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we love the interaction. And now let's talk about some of the headlines. There's some big stuff happening right now to end the season. For those who have games that they're playing in the championship rounds here, Chris Godwin injured. It sounds like from everything I'm seeing, he's done for the season. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know why they would play him. I mean, they've been eliminated from the playoffs since two weeks. I I don't know that his injury has already been stated as being severe enough that he cannot play, but I don't know why he would. Yeah, yeah tonight on Tuesday night, that has yet to be confirmed, but yeah. I'm right there with Josh. I'd be flabbergasted if they put him out there again. So I would just expect him, as well as Evans, to, to be out. And that, that really makes things interesting with a Bucks offense that I don't think is going to stop throwing the football. Yep, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes here. We also have Dalvin Cook, who came out of the game. He was he was doing well, and they pulled him out. Shoulder injury status again as of right now. We're recording this on Tuesday. Not clear. Is that correct? Has anyone seen otherwise? I think I seen the coach say he would play, or he's or he's doing better, but it's still not like 100% confirmed with anything, right? Yeah, it seems to be similar talk to last week, where um, it's more they're not playing him as much as a precaution. Which I guess makes sense because, I mean, they're projected to make the playoffs as of right now. Um, but it feels a little girly-esque the more that it goes on. And from what happened last year, I don't know, man. He's one that going into, like, fantasy championship matchups, he's going to be extremely hard to sit. So I think most people are just going to end up playing him. But, God, he, he'd make me super nervous if I had to roll him out. I was just going to ask you that because I actually had to roll him out, I think, possibly in two leagues, for sure, one league. So you guys think I should be concerned? I would be. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. You just don't know if he's going to get any workload. And I don't really have a choice. You know what I mean? Like like you said, he's like the second best running back this year, like almost next to McCaffrey, right? So it's like he's been carrying my teams the whole year, and now it's like, damn, like do I not start him now? It's like it's too ri- I feel like it's risky either way. I start him, and, he's, and, and he gets hurt and gets coming out of the game, or if I don't start him, he's going to burn me and go for 30. Josh, what would you do, man? I would probably start him. Yeah. It sounds like you don't have you don't have like another RB two you could put in there. 
Not really. Not really. Yeah, you got to just start him. I mean, technically, I could start like Marlon Mack at running back and then just flex a wide receiver or something maybe, but I don't know if that's a good idea. (laughs) I think I'd I'd still just roll Dalvin. Yeah. All right, and the last guy, Evan Ingram, he got IR'd. He's been out, you know, a couple times here now and finally got IR'd, so he's done for the season. Done for the season. Actually, in the Dynasty League that we're in, I got offered a running back for Evan Ingram. But I don't like the running back, so I haven't said anything yet. I don't know. We'll see. It sucks for him. <clears throat> you guys think when he comes back next year, we're still looking at a top tight end, or anything's going to change with Ingram's situation? I think I think I would expect him to come back as a top tight end. Yeah, I don't I don't know why that would change. Top five, top ten. Where do you think he is? Like going into next year, starting next year. Well, you know, knowing only what we know. I mean, we can't know anything else, obviously. Kittle. I mean, you've got to put like Kittle, Kels, uh, you know, Ertz. You've got Andrews. This has got to be ahead of him. What about Hooper and Waller? Uh, I think I've got to put Hooper. I think I'd put him ahead of Waller. Okay. So top ten, but somewhere towards the bottom of it. That's. I think we were we were right around like five to seven. Yeah, five we? to seven. Okay, that's fine. All right, <clears throat> we'll see how it goes. But yeah, his season's over for anyone who was banking on him. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Was there any other news or headlines or anything major that you guys feel like we needed to hit on really quick before we move on to trust issues? No, I think. Well, Josh Gordon. Did we talk about Josh Gordon? We haven't. Josh Gordon is something we need to talk about. Josh yeah. Gordon suspended. Done. Done. Sad days. It is. It sucks. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL just kind of moved on. That's yeah, how I, that's Neil, how I feel. Neil, you want to say some final words? It's been years and years of <laughs> preaching the gospel to Gordon. Nah, man. You know, I I said on Twitter, man. Like I've been every time this happened, I was rooting, you know, for the Josh Gordon return to the NFL and you know his chance again to you know prove his talent right. But at this point, man, like. I'm just rooting for Josh Gordon, the person. I'm done with the whole NFL aspect of it. Like, I don't want to keep doing this. Obviously, he doesn't want to keep doing this. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what drugs it is. I don't know. It looked like it said PEDs and stuff, too. I don't know what the hell's going on. But, you know, I'm not going to beat that drum anymore as far as him coming back to the NFL. I don't know, you know, where his head's at, what he's looking to do. But I'm done with it. I'm done with it. But, hey, between you two, if you had to pick Josh Gordon or AB being back next year, which one do you say? Which one's more likely? I mean, AB by far. AB by far? Like, dramatic. Yeah, because AB, I think, actually could come back. Josh Gordon, I mean, they're not going to reinstate him again. I mean, he's he's suspended indefinitely from the league. Like, he's done. With AB, I mean, pending all this investigation stuff, there's at least an off chance that he comes back. I mean, teams have already voiced interest in him if, if, like, he's cleared of everything which I don't expect to occur, but there's at least a possibility. I think yeah. with Josh Gordon, there, there's no possibility. He's done. I mean, he got a second chance, and he's obviously blown it. Yeah, if you if you watch AB on, on Instagram specifically, or if you're following a little bit of it on Twitter, he's literally going fucking nuts, man. Like, this guy is fighting with his baby mother. 
tweeting the messages to her dad to come get her and cops are at his door and then he's opening packages with microphones. He's gonna be a rapper. Like man, it's going straight. He's he looks like he's going crazy. Like it's just weird, man. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening. I'm not banking on him coming back anywhere anytime soon, but I guess we'll see how it plays out. But he just seems like he's lost his fucking top, man. It just seems crazy right now. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Like you said, Gordon's gone, man. He's done. I had that guy, man. I had so much. Damn, I had so much stock in that, dude. He fucking failed me. It is what it is. All right, let's move on to uh, trust issues. We got we're gonna we're gonna basically focus. Obviously, anyone who's still playing right now is in a championship. Some leagues go to week 17, which is kind of crazy. But, hey, if that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing. But we're treating this like it's a championship week for the most part. Um, so I felt like it was important to hit on players who, you know, trust issues is big right now with, with this week here. Because it's not like there's another week that you have after this. You don't get to fix your mistakes. Or if you do something wrong, you don't get to, you know, recover from it. Like, this is it. So I feel like trust issues is really important here. The rank is going to be really important. Everything we do is going to be really important this episode because it's now or nothing. So I wanted to start off with uh, the Panthers because they've decided to move away from Kyle Allen and they're going with Will Greer. Um, I'm not so much concerned about trusting Will Greer, though, because I don't think anybody is starting him in their championship game, but more so his weapons and how he affects the rest of the team. Um, So because of Will Greer, do you guys trust his weapons now or do you have trust issues with them like does it matter that much to you uh i'll start i mean i i trust dj Moore and i trust christian mccaffrey outside of that i have severe trust issues um i trust both those players simply because of what they've been able to produce all season and the amount of consistency that they've had recently i mean Christian McCaffrey is a lock button. Nobody's going to bench him. I mean, it doesn't really matter what I say from here on out. So really, DJ Moore is the only possible bench. But with DJ Moore, you're looking at a player who in PPR leagues has not scored under 12 points in the second half of the season. I mean, he's just been so consistent and then dominant on occasion. So the idea of benching him, I mean, I don't think that he's going to be affected by a quarterback change. Um for everyone else, though, that's that's a lot to bet on. I mean, really, you're only looking at, you know, Curtis Samuel, I guess. And I, I don't think you could feel very confident in him. Um, I guess Greg Olson, potentially. But again, I don't I don't see how anyone could feel confident in, in any ancillary pieces. But McCaffrey and more for me, like they're they're lock button starts. And I, I don't think even with the quarterback change, I'm going to even second guess that yeah i mean kyle allen obviously you know he started off hot when cam went down and then he's just kind of deteriorated from that point forward josh do you feel like will greer could be that much worse that it would affect you to not start dj more like adam said he said he, want, he would start him no matter what and mccaffrey we, you know everyone's gonna go that route but is there anything with will greer that would you know not that would that would push you away from dj more in the championship game or no so okay so will greer is an old uh Big 12 quarterback. So I I watched this guy play some when he played with West Virginia. I think he got drafted in the same year that Mason Rudolph came out and Mason Rudolph went ahead of him. But I think there's like a non-zero chance that Will Greer is good at football. Like I'm excited to see what he comes out and does. I he might be he might be good. 
I mean, this guy has a college yards yards per attempt of 9.7. That's 92nd percentile. He's got a 79th percentile college QBR. I'm telling you, him and Baker Mayfield had some, like, ridiculous games of just slinging the ball back and forth. And I, I, I'm excited. I would – Will Greer coming in does not make me want less of any of the Carolina Panthers weapons. Good. I mean, that's everyone's happy to hear that right now. If you have, you know, McCaffrey, like we said, you felt less threatened about it, but you know, DJ Moore. So you, would you start at Curtis Samuel? I mean, I don't know if he was even an option to start with before that for you, but would you start him? And if you say you were forced to start a guy like Curtis Samuel, would you be feel, would you be concerned? I feel like Curtis Samuel still has upside. Okay. With Will Greer playing. I mean, that, that could be wrong, <laughs> but I don't think Will Greer is going to be worse than Kyle Allen. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it's fair to say that Kyle Allen was getting snaps for a reason, but you know he, he's kind of flamed out. Like we we found out that he's he's not that great. So I'm not afraid of Will Greer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he plays out. Um, obviously, they're just trying to see what they got, right? Like they Cam's not there, Allen is you know, look terrible as of late. So at this point they're like, well, let's see, you know, if Allen's not the answer, we'll see if Greer's the answer to finish out the year. And, uh, you know, you have to imagine, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. You, you, do either of you think Cam Newton's returning next year to the Panthers? No, I, I don't. No, I don't. Okay. Really? I, I, I kind of do. I don't know. It would just, I wouldn't, I don't know. Crazier things have happened, but I just, I don't get it. I think he's a top half of the league quarterback. It's just so hard to get good quarterback playing this league. It just seems silly to move on from it. But that's, Boogan as a uh, lifelong Bears fan, I know what bad (laughs) quarterbacks are. Yeah, and the funny thing is, you know, before Kyle Allen started to struggle, it seemed more, you know, possible, more plausible that, you know, Cam Newton may have seen his last games as a Panther, but now, since Allen struggled and Greer is starting now, it's like, oh, you know, maybe they don't have the next guy that they thought they had. So we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I I, I agree with you both as far as uh, I'm not I'm not running away from DJ Moore or CMC because of Greer. So um, definitely, don't, I wouldn't start him in any in any situation. But the players, the main players, we feel confident in still. Um, uh, the guy that was talked about like crazy last week, Brashad Perriman. He is now numero uno in Tampa since Evans out, likely Godwin's out. I mean, this is the man now. So, I mean, last week he tore it up, and the week before he showed that he could do it, right? So two weeks ago he did he did he did good. Last week he did amazing. Now this week he's the guy. And I feel like that I feel like every week we've had a new layer thrown into the Brashad Perriman thing, and now we don't know what to do again. Like if Chris Godwin was still there, we go, okay, well, I mean, we seen what he just did. Like, so can we just get one touchdown of the game? You know, why not? But now when he's the number one, how much does that change things again? So trust or trust issues. I'm going to let Josh start with this one. Cause I know you want to probably hate on him. So Josh trust or trust issues with Brashad Perriman this week in the championship round. I, I just, I don't think that Brashad Perriman is going to be a, be good enough to, absorb any potential like extra opportunity i just i think that the weight of chris godwin does not fit on his shoulders he's he is going to continue to be the guy he has been and he has upside you know like he 
there's no arguing that. But he's like he's a six target guy. He's a six target guy. He's probably going to get you somewhere between nine and fourteen points. And once once in a hundred years, he's going to have a three touchdown game. I mean, he held the weight of Mike Evans on his shoulders last week. Not so, really. Uh, I mean, six targets, five receptions. Like, if this guy was pulling down like fourteen targets, I would be a lot more impressed. So you don't think he's going to get more targets this week with the, all these guys out? No, he's just saying he'll be impressed this week when he gets fourteen targets. <laughs> uh, <he's>... Okay, <laughs> okay, I would mean, fine. If if he does that, then I, I have nothing left. Adam. I mean, yeah, just like our fantasy owners who are listening will have nothing left. So, yeah, I mean, Brashad is like, he's kind of the perfect guy for a question like this, in my opinion, simply because he's flashed as of late, but he's probably not someone who you, you expected to even be considering at this stage. Uh, for me, man, I, I feel like you've got to trust the situation. I mean, Arians, his offense is just going to throw the ball like crazy. Jameis has been just erratic but phenomenal for fantasy wide receivers. And Perriman stepped into a role and not had any setbacks since stepping into that role. So to me, like, I I mean, unless you've got phenomenal options, I, I feel pretty confident rolling out Perriman even in your championship matchups. Yeah, like, like, see, I have a situation where so some people may have just picked up Perriman and, like, he wasn't their guy to go with anyway, so it didn't matter. But, like, I'm in a situation where I had Chris Godwin and I picked up Perriman and now I lost Chris Godwin. So now I'm like, well, I just feel it's logical at this point I have to put him in the spot, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems logical at that, at that point for me. So, yeah, but it does, it does concern me now that Godwin's not there. Now I'm like, well, damn, shit, now do I not trust the guy? Because everything's going to be focused on him now, you know what I mean? Um, man, it's a tough situation. Like it's just, it, it does, you know, throw another wrinkle into it. But like you said, with the way the offense is going with the way we've raved about Jameis Winston and his style of play, right? Like, yeah, he may throw a couple of interceptions, but he's also, you know, he's going to toss that ball to Perriman, right? I mean, so we just need him to come down with it once and it pays off. So it's like, I feel like you got to trust him also. Um, the last two weeks, I think he's in the top three, you know, wide receivers scoring wise. And of course I know each week it's like I said, the variables have kind of changed, but you know, I can't find the big argument against him, I guess, as far as... Okay, so, Brashad, Perriman, or Debo in your lineup? For me, it's Debo. It's Debo all the way. Mm, I think we want Perriman. Yeah, I honestly think I like Perriman as well. It sounds crazy, but... Like, why? What... Because he's going against the Texans, number one. Like, you have to consider that as well. Like, that has to play into this. Like, they could be burned for sure, right? I mean, it's not like we're talking about they have lockdown corners or anything. So, like I said, with Perriman, if you put him in your lineup, you're good with the one big catch. And, like, he can do that against the Texans with lots of targets. And Jameis Winston, who we know has no fear of throwing it. Like, this isn't Derek Carr throwing to him. This is Jameis Winston. He's going to throw it. Like, it's just going to happen. It's gonna, he's going to let it fly. So I just see him to come down with one big play, right? One big yard after catch or one big touchdown where he blows past all the corners. Like, I need that. If I get more than that, if I get, like, six, seven, eight receptions, of course I'm going to love it. 
But at this point, I feel like you go big or go home. Debo is playing who? The Rams? Yeah. I, mean, I, I feel like they're similar matchups. And Debo could house one. Debo he could. could house he could. One. I'll probably have both of my lineups this week. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I mean, the thing for me with Debo is, I mean, he had a setback last week. Prior to that, he'd been super consistent. But I feel like from what we saw last week from Paraman, he has ceiling game potential. Debo has ceiling game potential. For me, it's just a situation of I honestly think at this stage in the season, for what we can expect next week, we can expect Perriman to get probably twice the amount of targets that Debo Samuel is going to see. Like, I don't see a situation where Perriman doesn't see double-digit targets this week. He hasn't yet this season. That's a ridiculous statement when you're looking at a team that had a consolidation of targets to its top two receivers where it was nearly 50% of the offense. I mean, that yeah, that is a thing. The, it is the only thing, Josh. <laughs> it's the only thing. You can it's really the only like, thing their offense was. You're taking like, out the, the problem, only two though. pieces of that offense. Here's the problem. If nobody's out there getting first downs, those vacated targets disappear. Like the volume very quickly just goes out of the offense. They're not really just there to be taken. I mean, that is that is a fair point. If the offense is less efficient, there are overall less attempts, therefore less targets. Like, I get the logic, but I think that just overall, the way that that offense is going to try and function is to throw the ball downfield and to try and throw the ball downfield often. And I just don't see I, – I really don't see a scenario where Perriman isn't the leader in targets on that offense. And outside of – what seems like a fluke performance by how that offense runs and them scoring under 14 points. Like he's going to see end zone targets. He's going to have potential to score. Whereas San Francisco can beat you a myriad of ways. So I don't think that there's that much consistency for Debo to feel like he's just a lock button in your championship game. Like I think it's a good example because that, that to me is one where, up until last week, like, this sounds insane. It would be Debo all the way. He'd been so consistent. But when you're playing in your fantasy championship, to me, I, I want to go for upside for that one week. And honestly, I, I just I think Perriman's going to see, like, twice the targets that Debo will. There was I, a, I think O.J. Howard might have more targets than Brashad Perriman. Well, this guy still. here. Watch this. Watch this happen. OJ Howard's going to have more targets than Brashad Perriman in week 16. You are just going hard in the paint on Perriman, man. There was a week when they played Seattle in week nine where Godwin had nine targets, 61 yards. Evans had 16 targets, 180 yards in touchdown. And Perriman actually had eight targets, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Like, man, that's just a whole lot of throwing the fucking ball, man. Like, now yeah. you're telling me both those guys are gone. My, my concern is both those guys are gone. Can the team play well, right? Like, yeah, that, that's my only concern. I'm not concerned whether he'll get targets. I believe he will. I'm not concerned whether, you know, Jameis is afraid to throw the ball to him. Like, even if they're getting blown out, like, are we concerned Jameis isn't going to throw? No, we know he is. Are we concerned that he'll throw in a double coverage? We know he will. <laughs> like, all I need Perriman to do is blow by a corner one time, and it works. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. I'm starting him. I trust him. I start him. It sounds like Adam trusts him. It sounds like Josh doesn't trust him. 
what, what? He, he just he just is not going to like step up a level. That's all. We'll see. He already has. Maybe. Two games isn't enough for Josh. We'll see if the championship matters. I say this. I think if Josh was in a championship and he had Paramount's team, I think he would start him. Take it as you will. Um, I mean, Debo, but over Debo, yeah, okay, whatever. But you still will start him. You wouldn't have Debo and Paramount. Don't worry. Um, the next guy is also an interesting name, and that's Kenyon Drake, another guy who went absolutely crazy last week, went nuts. Obviously, they played Cleveland, so that has to count for something. Um, they didn't play David Johnson at all. Healthy David Johnson that I was mocked for on this actual podcast by these two. And um, he went crazy. So the Cardinals play who this week? Who do they play? I'm sorry. <laughs> the Cardinals will be playing. The 49ers? The Seahawks. Oh, Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. So they play the Seahawks. Are, do we think Kenyon Drake can go absolutely crazy again? Or do we think we got to pull it back a whole lot and temper ourselves here? Obviously, yeah, we don't expect we don't expect super, super craziness. But, I mean, just logically, can he be a run, RB1, you know, really strong game for people this week? Yes. Yes, he can because he's getting all the stupid opportunity. But David Johnson is not washed. <laughs> so he can do it, but Paramount can't that. do it. What's that? I said, so he gets the opportunity and you like it, but you don't like Paramount's opportunities. <laughs> this it's guy. different. It's different. All right. All right. I mean, if you say so. Uh Drake is is getting all of the work in Arizona and he's gonna he's gonna probably wreck against Seattle. I just like David Johnson. That's all. Yeah. But you told me he was hurt, and that's why he wasn't playing. He is hurt. He's not hurt, Josh. Right. They just don't like him. They're mad at him. Right. right. They are, they're probably mad at Saquon and Kamara. Nope, nope. Different and situations. all these guys that come back and are slow to pick things up. Stop it, Josh. Adam, you a Kenyon Drake believer this week? No, I'm going to have the hot take. Bench the guy who scored 40 points last <laughs> week. I, honest, I honestly believe it, too. I mean, I just don't think Arizona's going to do anything against Seattle. I just, I, I don't know. I feel like last week was this weird confluence of events where Cleveland just, they're, they're falling flat on their face late in the year, and Arizona just kind of took advantage of, you know, the their horrible defense but overall i just i think from what i've seen from arizona it, it's so funny that this is our week 16 podcast and championship week because i feel like i'm gonna job out to say like it's night and day between what i thought it was gonna be and what it actually is and i just i think unless that offense is moving extremely efficiently Kenyon drake is an afterthought and I just don't see them moving extremely efficiently against Seattle this week. Damn. So you you you're saying obviously you don't trust so so you don't trust him at all? I don't trust him. I mean, he'd be extremely difficult to bench. I realize that for anybody. Yeah. And I actually I don't have him anywhere that I would be playing him. So I'm I'm not making this decision, but I feel like 
personally, like for DFS, I'm gonna avoid him. I just I I don't think that I don't think that that forty point game is replicable. I think that it was really just a product of you know them letting him score four touchdowns, which is huge. And ultimately, I just I think unless they have a really positive game script, he gets nowhere near that volume. And in the games where he hasn't, I mean, he's, you know, he's an irrelevant fantasy asset. Yeah. I know it means nothing looking back on their matchup earlier in the, earlier in the year, but in week four, um, Arizona lost 27 to 10, 10. The running back then that got the most work was David Johnson. He only had 40 yards rushing, but he did have almost 100 yards receiving on eight receptions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know it doesn't matter really in the grand scheme of things, but it's just kind of you know interesting to look back at it and kind of see how – you know how things shook out that time um josh you said so so you do you trust you you seem like you trust Kenyon drake a lot adam doesn't trust him at all uh you know and like like adam said it'd be hard to bench him after that happened so unless you have a really you know obvious running back at this point that you know you like a lot this week it's gonna be hard to bench Kenyon drake just off of what you've seen him do what you know he can do you know the work they're gonna give him it's just kind of like ah you know how do you, how do you shy away from it at this point? Let me ask you guys this. I'm gonna act. I'm gonna give you a, another running back, and you guys tell me which one you would start this week, okay? Um, and we're actually gonna talk more about the other running back a little later too. But um, actually, in a second here. So let's just let's just bring it together then. Carryon Johnson is probably gonna return this week. Would you start him versus the Broncos or Kenyon Drake? Drake for sure. Drake for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely am going Drake. I didn't, I didn't even know that Carrion was projected to be mm-hmm. back until I saw it on the show notes. So yeah, yeah I mean, like uh, to me, I, I don't think you, I don't think you play Carrion Johnson. Yeah. I mean, it's not like this elite running back coming back. I mean, it's the you know, it's your fantasy championships. You're not going to take that risk. I'm not. People were in love with him. That's why I was curious. Um, what about like an Aaron Jones versus the Vikings? On Monday Night Football or Kenyon Drake? Aaron Jones for me. Yeah. Yeah. But the team that gets to start both guys is in pretty good shape, though. (laughs) (laughs) Here, like, for example, here's some guys that even on Fantasy Pros right now, uh, their consensus rankings are ranked below Drake that I feel pretty confident starting over him. Marlon Mack, Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm probably starting Raheem Mostert over him. I mean, would you start Carlos Hyde over him? No, no. Yeah, I'm not going that far. Carlos Hyde's playing the Buccaneers, boys. He's been doing well, but he's not going to get any passing game work. Like Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake has had that involvement. You know, he's had seven targets, five targets. Let's. I don't feel like Carlos Hyde is going to get that. Yeah, I mean, they have the same ability in the passing game, but Drake gets targets for some reason. Yeah, and Hyde gets none, basically. <laughs> gets about none. Yeah, passing game, since he's been in, you know, Houston has been irrelevant. So, um, yeah, so it doesn't matter. But he has been running pretty damn good. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. All right, so we're kind of mixed bag on Drake. Like, we're not crazy about him but we're also not like just gonna sit him for anybody but at the same time it sounds like you know he's pretty far down on adam's list high definitely higher on josh's list i think i fall in the middle somewhere you know 
all, all these trust issues always come down to, you know, who we're comparing them to, obviously, and who your other options are. Um, and so a guy like carry on Johnson, we're all saying that we wouldn't play him either, especially with him first coming back. He's rusty, but you know, again, I just put him on the trust issues. Cause he's a guy that everyone was raving about, you know, earlier in the year. And I think some people get caught up in situations like this. When a guy comes back, when they're like, Oh, this was my guy that, you know, I drafted higher and I super believed in him. And now he's back just in time for my championship. Like, you know, so I feel like people get caught up in that sometimes. And so I feel like it was, you know, at least worth bringing him up. Uh, it sounds like we all would definitely shy away from him. Um, but I do feel like it's important to mention that I'm, I'm not big on starting guys coming off, like not playing for a long time, <laughs> no matter who they are. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you guys on that. Last guy I did want to ask you guys for trust issues is Tyler Higby. Um, he's obviously been going nuts also as, as much as Perriman and Drake and all these guys have recently. Um, I don't know if Everett's coming back this week or not. He's been out the last few games. Um, I think he was close to playing last week. I feel like he was like a game time decision or something, but, um, the Rams are playing the Niners. They held Hooper down pretty damn good. Um, do you guys trust or have trust issues with Higby in, in a championship game with an on the line against a 49ers defense with the possibility of ever coming back? I trust. I mean, I, to me, it's, it's a smash. Like, no doubt in my mind I'm playing Higby. I, I don't know. I don't know how you could question what he's done over the last three weeks, and he's consistently seen an increase in targets each week. And it's not like – I mean, the fear is them bringing Everett back, which, sure, I get it, but it's not like they don't have other passing options. Like, there's obviously something specific with Higby that's causing this increase of targets. I don't really know if it's going to carry over into next year at all. But as for the rest of this season goes, I feel like I'd be extremely confident in him. Josh, you feel the same way, man? You're super confident in him to finish out the year? I think I think you got to roll Higby. Like, if, first of all, if you were starting Higby, you you don't have a great tight end. Right? Right. right. So I think you just have to roll him. Like, you, you've got a guy here that has upside, which is something seven tight ends have. I, I think you you have to continue. Maybe even if they rolled Gerald Everett, because he probably is not going to come right back and play a full load of snaps. That's fair. What if you did have another run a uh, tight end? Like, what if what if you lost Hooper? So you picked up Higby or something like that for you know a couple of weeks, whatever. Um, yeah. would, you still, would you roll him over Hooper? Hooper's not really back to being Hooper yet, right? Yeah, yeah I would roll Higby over Hooper. I mean, look against against San Francisco, Jared Cook. Had a big day. Mark Andrews had 14. There are also some some duds in there, but there are also some dud tight ends. Yeah, I mean Hooper might so, have struggled more because of himself than San Francisco. Either. Yeah, I think he. I think he got to roll him. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think that comes into play with a lot of these guys we're talking about with Perriman, Drake. Higby, you know, they are having big weeks. They haven't had them all season like that, you know, on a continuous basis. But, you know, at the same point, you know, guys are getting hurt. You know, they're hot. You kind of ride the hot hand at this point. You know, if this is what got you here or what's, you know, carried you into the championship game, this is kind of, uh, you know, you go for broke, man. You pay the, play these guys because there's not too much of an argument not to, you know, unless you got a, a much better player on your team. Um, so, yeah, Higby's another go. Man, anybody surprised by Higby? I feel like he's been kind of uh, when he first came into the league, he was kind of highly touted 
like people thought he was gonna do really well and he started off slow and i think he had some like off the field issues and stuff at first um but the way he's just come on you know come on at this last minute is just like a big surprise to everybody or yeah i'm yeah go ahead adam Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, tight ends do take a long time to develop. So there was definitely a lot of hype around both Higby and Everett like two, three years ago. But, you know, it seemed like over the years people had more gone to the Everett side just due to athleticism. Yeah. Um, So I think it's interesting to see Higby kind of breaking out in Everett's absence. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to see. And like you said, from a dynasty standpoint, who knows how this is going to play out next year, you know? Um, if it'll continue this way, if they'll get more 50-50 split and they're both kind of, you know, or if they'll just ride hot hands each game and you never know which one's going to go off. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out from that standpoint. But for this week, we all trust Higby. All right, cool. Let's move over to week week 15, rank them, uh, or 16 rank them, actually. Week 16 rank them. I have some interesting groupings that we got here, some interesting names. Again, all focused on championships and whether these guys should be played, not played, how confident we feel in them. So the first one I wanted to go through was uh, a few big-time wide receivers who have been hurt uh, and whether they came back last week or they're coming back this week or whatever the case may be. They've been hurt. They've been hobbled. And I want to rank them by how confident you are in starting these guys for your championship. So the more confident guy you'll go with at the top, least confident at the back end. Uh, The three guys that we're ranking are T.Y. Hilton, um, that guy in on the Vikings that you guys say I pronounce his name wrong every time. Uh, you guys can pronounce it if you'd like. And DJ Adam Thielen. Yeah, Adam Thielen, that guy. There you go, you did it. <laughs> and, and DJ Chark. So those are the three. Are and either one of you anxious to go first, or I'll go first. Up to you guys. I mean, I can jump in. Okay. I, I think if Adam Thielen comes back, I'm probably most confident in him. Uh, Minnesota is, you know, playing for playoff contention, so they've got a lot invested. And Adam Thielen just seemed to always be the apple of Kirk Cousins' eye. And I think that, you know, in his absence, they haven't really had consistency in the passing game. So I think he automatically would vault into uh, top amongst that group for me personally. Uh, I think DJ Chark is second of the group. Um, mostly just because of how consistent he's been and the fact that, you know, he just played last week. So if he is good to go again this week, he's probably going to be playing a little dinged up. So that's why he's not at the top of the group for me. But just based on what we've seen from him so far this season, I feel confident in him. Um, T.Y. Hilton, that's one where I I don't, I just don't know what to expect if he comes back. Um, I, I feel like he's kind of, He's a player who I, I don't really know, like, if I expected him to come back. And now that he played last week and he didn't really do anything, even though he saw a ton of targets, like, I just, I don't feel like I could feel confident rolling him out there. So T.Y. is probably the only one of the group that I, I wouldn't feel confident in. And Thielen, I'd probably have over Chark. Yeah, and just a quick correction. Chark didn't play last week. No, he, no, he did not. Okay. I thought Adam said he did play. No, I was talking about Hilton. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so Chark didn't play last week. All right, sorry, I mis- misunderstood you. Um, all right, so you rank them, uh, Thielen, Hilton, uh, Chark, Hilton. You got it. Okay. Josh, you fall in the same way there with those? or? No, I think I got to go Chark first. Chark, I, you know, that's surprising that I feel that way, but 
Chark has seen spikes in opportunity. He's had two games with um, with over 20 expected fantasy points, and Adam Thielen all season long has not hit that. So I, I feel like I feel like I'd go Chark first, Thielen, and then I want to see it first from Hilton, which means I don't get to because it's week 16. <laughs> I'm actually not mad at that because. Also, I mean, they're playing Green Bay, the Vikings, and they're not bad. Like, their secondary is pretty decent. Um, so it's not also like, you know, a cakewalk either, um, whether he's, you know, healthy or not. But I feel like Kirk Cousins has struggled a lot. Brissett has struggled a lot recently. You know, and obviously we're talking about Minshew here. But I don't know, man. Like, I'm not – I don't think it's crazy no matter how we list these guys actually – like I could see the argument for any of them going first over the others, you know. Like I could see someone saying Hilton over the other two if he's back. But I mean, the fact that he did nothing last week was kind of like, you know, a little disturbing. I'm sure he wasn't 100, percent you know. But um, I'm not confident in that. Like, I don't know. Are you guys confident in the Colts' offense right now, like as a whole? Not at all. Not at all, right? Which sucks, man. Because I don't know how to think about Mac with that being the case like it just seems like everybody on the Colts is kind of struggling right now like as a I don't know it's a good matchup for them they're projected to win yeah. it's at home yeah I mean I think that there's enough for like a, a player like Marlon Mack there's enough like game script kind of things that I feel confident but the rest of that team I, I don't really know how confident I'd feel yeah I agree um yeah I think um just because of the matchup I think I would go Chark first over Thielen um, man, We're talking about three guys who could all have great weeks, and or we could see them all struggle. I just feel like you know, playoff wise, again, n- none of these three guys in the championship game make me feel great, though. Like I'm, I'm worried about all three of them. But you know, if I had to rank them, I probably would go Chark first, and that could just be me being optimistic about Minshew and Chark and getting creative and crafty. But I'm, I'm worried about Thielen's defense. And what about? Okay, yeah, I'm gonna go Chark first. Chark, Thielen, Hilton, but it could easily be the other way around. <laughs> uh, the next group here, we have our backup running backs. I just call them backup running backs because they've all seemed to be guys who are now getting opportunities or more opportunities because either guys get hurt or games are blowouts and they get put in there for whatever the case may be. So Tony Pollard went crazy last week. Mike Boone did pretty good filling in with, uh, you know, with Cook coming out of the game. Uh, so that that wasn't bad, and then Boston Scott, who is only I say backup, but it's because Jordan Howard's not playing. So if Jordan Howard was playing, we probably wouldn't be talking about Boston Scott. So uh, Tony Pollard, Mike Boone, Boston Scott, do any of these guys jump off the page to us? Like they're the obvious play, or or what? I mean, I think I think Mike Boone has the safest workload, but I also think that he's going to be like he's going to boast Scarborough for you. I, he, you know, CJ Ham came in and got passing game work. I don't think that that's going to happen for Mike Boone. Like what, what happened this week is his top of the line outcome, but he's the only one of the three that has safe volume. And that you mean if Dalvin cook and Madison are out again, is that what you mean? Or right. They, Cause yeah, yeah, they were both out last week. So yeah, I'm assuming that he's the starting running back. Gotcha. I mean, Tony Pollard and Boston Scott, I think, are both better players than Mike Boone. But, like, Tony Pollard only saw 12 carries because Dallas was in an extremely favorable game script. Like, they were leading that whole game. 
Yeah. Do, do, then, do you trust any of these three for the championship game, though? Like, are I you mean, if you got to roll one, I think you go with the volume of Mike Boone. So Boone, Pollard, Scott for you, then? Yeah. Yeah. Just like that, Boone, Pollard, Scott. And if Cook plays, how does it change? Mike Boone's done. Done. Zero. Okay, so then it would be Pollard, Scott, Boone. That's fair. Adam, you see it exactly the same way? Yeah, and I think for like start-sit purposes, Boone's the only one I'd even remotely consider. And even then, it's got to be, you know, Dalvin Cook's out or Dalvin Cook is going to see a very limited snap count. I, I don't think I'd feel confident even starting Mike Boone if, if, you know, things are potentially unclear on Cook. And I don't know, Boston Scott and Tony Pollard, they're just, they're players that you cannot feel confident in. So it's actually kind of ironic. Like if I had to rank them, they kind of get ranked in the exact reverse order that I'd have them for dynasties. So for next week, it would be Boone, Scott Pollard. But for dynasty, it's Pollard, Scott Boone. And asking, asking you, Adam, because you said Thielen was your, your top choice for the last ranking group, does it matter to you whether Cook doesn't play or plays? For Thielen? Yeah. No, it doesn't make any okay. sense. Gotcha. All right. The last group that I want to rank with you guys is just some guys that I feel like are kind of boom busty. They got some you know, interesting matchups, so they're not sure things. Uh, they've had some down weeks, but they've also had some explosive weeks. And I'm gonna, I got one wide receiver, one running back, and one tight end. So I wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit. And those guys are Jamison Crowder, Jacob Hollister, and Carlos Hyde. Um, now, just for purposes of people being aware, the Jets are playing the Steelers. So that's who Crowder is playing. That's his opponent. Um, the Seahawks, which is Hollister's team, is playing the Cardinals, which we know are very, very bad. And then uh, Carlos Hyde, as I think I mentioned earlier, is playing the, the Buccaneers. Bucks. So... Do you guys have any uh, anything obvious here? Anything glaring to you both, or do you think this could go different ways? The Jacob Hollister one stands out to me. I think it's interesting. I feel like we've kind of forgot about him the last couple of weeks, but I feel like man, he does have a glaring matchup here that could get really, you know, really, uh, really good for him. So it's like one of those guys that I'm tempted to like throw in a flex spot, or you know. If you're in a, if you're in a, if you're in a championship and you can trade because you're in a dynasty, maybe the guy who has Hollister will trade him because they don't know what's going to happen next year, and this is kind of your chance to really capitalize on him. Um, but I don't do, know. Would you even like consider maybe making him your flex lock of the week until you, <laughs> you saw him featured on this segment? <laughs> I, because, I think so. Uh, that, that's where my head was at. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably where I'm going to stay because, um, I, I mean, you, you said it. The matchup is just insane. The Cardinals this year have basically just decided that they're going to let tight ends beat them. Uh, This is a ridiculous stat, but in games where a tight end saw more than four targets versus the Cardinals this year, those players scored on average over 14 PPR points a game on four targets. Damn. Uh, they, They basically just let tight ends beat them. And with Jacob Hollister, we have a tight end who has shown the ability to have big games already this season. And he's coming off three, like, subpar performances, things that would really have you question whether or not you want to start him. And I think that 
this matchup plus Russell Wilson's ability to dissect the defense and really exploit matchups, like, yeah, I'm all over it. He's he's my favorite uh, DFS tight end this week. Like, he's a guy that I, I feel extremely confident in. So, yeah, he's he's my number one of this group, and he's also my lock of the week, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but uh, for the other two, though, I think it's really interesting because they're both entirely volume-based. Like, Carlos Hyde and Jamison Crowder are – identical to each other even though they play completely different positions because i think they both are successful in game scripts that favor them uh so for the jets that would be if they're trailing and then for houston it would be if they have a lead and they're basically just volume-based guys so hyde's going to be successful just if he sees a ton of volume on that offense and can find the end zone and uh you're only going to have success for Jamison Crowder if he just sees a ton of targets. So to me, it, it really just comes down to who do I think actually has, you know, a, a favorable matchup. And I, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't love the matchup for, uh, for Carlos Hyde this week. So I think for me, I'm probably going to go Jamison Crowder. I mean, for what he was able to do against Baltimore last week, they're playing Pittsburgh this week, and I could see them trailing again. I don't know how Pittsburgh keeps winning games, but they continue to do it. Uh, and they're going to ruin our playoffs, at least for one playoff game, because we're going to have to sit through watching them play. But I, I think that they're going to keep things competitive, and in a game like that, Jameson Crowder's going to get enough targets to be relevant. So for me, it's Hollister, Crowder, and then Hyde. Interesting. Yeah. Crowder last week, I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of people benched him last week because they were playing Baltimore and they thought, well, you know, this is a good chance to sit him because he was coming off of Oakland, Cincinnati, and Miami where he had, you know, no touchdowns, not more than 30 receiving yards in any of those games. And before that, you know, he had three fire games, you know, tons of tar- tons of receptions, you know, a touchdown every game, you know, a good amount of yards every game, 70 or more, you know. So now we're in the spot where, like, we're seeing, you know, booming we're seeing busting and now we're like can i trust this guy because a lot of people sat him last week he went off for 20 something 30 points whatever it was and now you're like well do i i gotta start the guy right but then again tough matchup and you're like well you know what's gonna how is this gonna play out i think this is an interest you know a really interesting group of, of guys um josh how, how do these guys line up for you you know adam's all in on jacob hollister uh i know you're not going to show carlos Hyde love just out of pure uh duke johnson favoritism but I'm curious how you how you rank these flex guys. You know, I think that you do have to go Hollister first because he he has the ceiling and he kind of also has some safe some safe amount of volume. Like I, I do not think that there are very many game scripts where Hollister just does not get targeted. Last week was the low point with three. You know, before that it's been six, eight, four, and ten. So Hollister's number one because he has ceiling and he has some floor. Um, uh, I don't know. I, you know what? It's Carlos Hyde for me wow. over Jameson Crowder. Jameson Crowder might just be bad at football. Like, what is what is going on with him? <laughs> I don't know if it's him or the team, though. I think it's the team. I mean, the team, yeah, that's that's possible. 
the three of his last four games, he has negative fantasy points over expectation. I just, I think you go with Carlos Hyde over him because you're going to get, you're going to get some volume with Carlos Hyde. And as, as unexciting as it is, you know, he has put up double digit PPR weeks last week. He was 16.4, you know, so I think Crowder over Hyde feels like chasing touchdowns to me. Yeah. The crazy thing with Crowder, too, is the games with Cincinnati and Miami, he had nine and seven targets in those games, but he only caught like two and three each game and didn't have over 30 yards, no touchdowns. So, like, even when he gets a target sometimes, it still doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't mean results necessarily. Yeah. Um, he might be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, hey, guys, he is bad. This is, <laughs> this is all Jamison Crowder has ever been. The fact that you consider this bad is just completely on us. Because his best season is 800 yards and seven touchdowns, and he's at 705. Like, this is who he is. His best season is 67 catches. He has 66. This is exactly who Jamison Crowder is. People wanted him to be more than this, but he was, he's just not. So, to me, like, the, I don't know, it fits. It fits, but, bruh, if you're trying to get a championship and you get 90 and two from him, man. 90 and one is good enough. I don't know. I think Hollister is the most interesting one here because, you know, the last four weeks he hasn't scored a touchdown, hasn't gone over 50 yards. But we know we see this sweet matchup and we're like, well, it has to change here. (laughs) You know what I mean? The other two have actually produced the last week. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's interesting how we're so confident in putting him first. But it just seems like it has to work this time. That's the work. Oh, man, I wish he would have been a little more consistent the last few weeks. Just a little something, something. But I agree with you guys. Hollister goes first here. Hyde is more safer than Crowder. Um, But, again, I feel like these three are going to be in a lot of people's lineups this week. Um, So hopefully they all pay off. But we go Hollister first. All right. Adam already kind of gave us a sneak preview of his lock of the week. He told us it. But let's go ahead and discuss it really quick because last week, uh, we all had it pretty rough, to be fair, because I feel like I should protect us a little bit. Adam picked a player who had a starter in front of him who actually played. And I also picked a player who had a starter in front of them and who, who actually played. Josh, there's no excuse for because Josh had a receiver who had nobody else competing with him. So no excuses to Josh. He was Not going true. Chris Conley was playing ahead whatever, of him. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. They're playing the Raiders. Like, there was no charge. Like Justin Watson's about to play ahead of Brashad Perriman. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're going to beat that pyramid to the ground. I can't wait till you're wrong. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, so, yeah, none of us won last week because it was bad, but my Isaiah Ford did score the most. I would like to take credit for that. Even though it's just a small victory for me, it means nothing for anyone who actually had to use them. Um, but let's jump into flex locks of the week. No one won, but jo- uh, Adam did say his is Jacob Hollister for everything we've said already. Correct, Adam? A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean – like I like I said a minute ago, like the matchup in itself has been extremely exploitable all year. Um, but I think that this makes the perfect lock of the week because you have four straight weeks now of Jacob Hollister basically being irrelevant for fantasy after two huge performances. And I think it's very difficult to trust a player like that. But ultimately, I think Seattle is the perfect type of team and Russell Wilson's the perfect type of quarterback to exploit a defense's weaknesses. And I think that 
that's just going to mean Jacob Hollister sees a ton of targets. And I honestly think that just with the tight end landscape being what it is right now, if you're streaming at all, or, I mean, honestly, I, I honestly think except for maybe the top three, Hollister's kind of in that conversation for guys like Higby, you know, guys like Waller. I mean, for me, he he's somebody who I'd be considering over basically anyone outside of that top three. Yeah, I don't think it's that crazy. I agree with you. Like you said, it's a, it's a perfect matchup. We've seen them do it before. We know how the Seahawks play in general. You know, they do target teams' weaknesses as they should. So, like, everything is going his way. The only thing that's, that, you know, scares you a little bit is it hasn't gone his way for the last four weeks as far as, you know, big-time production. But um, it does seem like a guy that I feel like even if you have another tight end, like, he's worth flexing, right, like over some wide receivers, over some running backs, like over, over some of the guys we've already spoken about today. Like, you know, you would you would start Hollister over a Boston Scott, right? Um you would start Hollister over the guys we mentioned, you know, with Hyde and Jamison Crowder. Um, some of the other guys we spoke about earlier, Higby, you said you wouldn't. Brashad Perriman. Josh, you're so crazy that you hate Brashad Perriman. Would you start Hollister over Perriman in your flex? No, probably not. Okay. <laughs> How to find somebody. How to find someone to back you down. But all right. So, yeah, Hollister is going to be a popular guy this week. It's safe to say. And – a great target in your dynasty leagues where you can still trade for tight ends and stuff. Right, Adam? Great guy to oh, trade yeah. for. I'm telling you, he's a great guy to trade sure. for because the owner of Hollister right now, all you got to do is sell him on the idea like, what's going to happen next year, man? Disley's coming back. Who's going to really be the man? Are they going to split it and become worthless? Get something for him now before it's too late. You're already lost. You're not in the playoffs. He's a, he's a guy that I feel like you could kind of talk people into selling if they even weren't thinking about it in the first place. Um, Josh, who's your flex lock of the week? All right, I'm going to go all the way down to Steven Sims, Washington Redskins. I think that this guy, you know, as as Dwayne Haskins might be waking up a little bit, could be coming into something. He, he seems to be the number two wide receiver in Washington behind McLaurin. Last week he had 11 targets, 11 targets. And this is a guy that in a lot of leagues you could just plug and play. So – you know, his snaps have been trending up, routes trending up, targets trending up. Everything looks good. They're playing the Giants this weekend, which I would just call kind of a neutral, not a problem kind of a matchup. And I, I like Steven Sims. Do you like him as a dynasty pickup also, Josh? You know. Or you think there's it, no for the price of free For the price of free, I like him. <laughs> He may even be worth a third. Like, how many third-round guys ever go out and get 11 targets? Mm-hmm. Not very many. Yeah, I mean, who's their number two? I mean, just, just you know, I mean, I don't know if they're going to add guys and trade for guys or pick up free agents, but, I mean, he's definitely yeah, worth he, a look. He could totally get washed out by free yeah. agents. Yeah, and drafts and stuff like that. So, um, But you're willing to flex them this week as your flex lock. That's some serious stuff, man. On some serious pressure like on him. He also played in the Big 12. He went to Kansas University, who is perennially, perennially terrible. Terrible. They're very bad. I seen you talking about him somewhere. I had a feeling you were going to use him for this flex log. I seen you mention his name somewhere. I'm like, here goes Josh getting excited about some new guy. Here he goes getting crazy. All right. So we got Hollister and Sims. So what do I need to do to beat those two? I'm going to go back, I'm going to stay faithful. As I always do, because I'm a guy with 
Lots of trust. Lots of loyalty. My flex lock of the week is someone who, if you remain faithful, will not reward you in the championship round. Do either one of you know who I'm going to go with here? Just think. It better not be A.J. Brown. Nope. It's not A.J. Brown. (laughs) I'm going with Will Fuller. Oh, yeah. Will fucking Fuller. Oh, my God, guys. Are we really going to have another week where two of us get under five fantasy points? What are these suggestions? Will Fuller, man. Listen, he's playing the Bucks. They're giving up lots of passing touchdowns. Will Fuller is back. Come on, guys. Don't start this. Deshaun Watson's the man. I'm with you. It'd be super fitting if you put up 50. (laughs) It wouldn't be surprising, would it? You can't be surprised. (laughs) Can't be surprised. I ain't surprised, motherfucker. I'm just saying. Big playability. He played last week. He didn't get hurt, thankfully. That's your only concern is will he get hurt in the game? I'm thinking he's uh he might be the uh for for the people who who hung on, like I said, who stayed faithful, you're gonna be rewarded with Will Fuller. He's gonna reward a few teams this year, man. Just wait. I mean, he's already had his second relevant fantasy game of the season uh, a couple weeks back, so how many how many does he get a year? Three? I mean, maybe right now two, but <laughs> so, maybe three. So we're at two. So I feel like this is fair. You know what I mean? He had a 140 yard game, 217 yard game. Eh, no reason why we can't break a hundred this week. No reason. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody needs to be persuaded that their opponent Tampa Bay can be beat. But Zach Pascal went off against him, had a 20 point game. Danny Amendola had eight point eighteen point two. D.D. Westbrook had a good game against them. I can't wait on my championship team to be starting Will Fuller and Brashad Perriman. I can't wait. They're going to be going against each other, 100-yard games each, touchdown each. Very on-brand, too. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't get enough of it. Will Fuller, Jacob Hollister, and some guy with, I forget his first name, but his last name is Sims. What's his first name, George? Steven, Steven, not Steve. Steven Sims. There you go. Hopefully one of us score more than five this week. I feel confident that we will. I feel confident. I'm really, I really confident about this. We didn't, we're, none of us are picking guys who have a starter in front of them who might come back, might not come back. We've got all guys who are safe in their roles, I feel like. I mean, Sims is a little iffy. He had one week of a role, but I feel like, you know, he has a chance. Also, did you guys see the story about that guy in the books that they brought up? The wire, what? They, they brought some wide receiver up. Did you guys see that? No. No. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me bring it up really quick. Just got that was a cool story. Uh, what's this guy's name? Is it somebody that might actually get snaps? Yeah, I don't know. But there's like a cool uh, cool little story about the guy or something. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. I can't believe I don't have his name in front of me. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Cyril Grayson. He was a track star. And they added him to their active roster today um hmm. but i thought it was interesting because it said um he was signed off the dallas cowboys practice squad he's five foot nine 183 pounds um yeah so he's like this track star really fast guy does punt returns all that kind of stuff but i thought what was cool was i seen the uh i forget who the beat writer was i think it was a tampa bay beat writer but somebody wrote that he had just uh he was he had tried out uber he was trying out other delivery jobs he just got his certificate to be a substitute teacher and then the Bucks called them and signed them to their active roster. So I thought that was a pretty cool story. Whether, you know, whether it means anything, I have no clue. 
but I said it was pretty cool that he was, you know, doing all these things, like trying to be a substitute teacher and doing Uber and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, week 16, here you are, sir. You are an active NFL player this week. I mean, it probably means that Chris Godwin's done. Yeah. They said, well, they said that, um, you know, uh, Godwin and then also Scotty Miller had some hamstring injury. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, either he's done or Scotty Miller's done for sure. I don't know which one, but. Uh yeah, they're adding somebody. So that was an interesting ad. Not that he matters in fantasy, but I thought it was a pretty cool story. I mean, yeah, who I wonder knows? how that works. Do they just get a one game contract or like two game contract? In um, the only thing I know is if you sign someone off the practice squad, you then have to keep them on your active roster. Um, yeah, and so. I think that they're required to pay them the guaranteed minimum. Yeah, I think so. Which would be really nice to only play two games <laughs> exactly for the bed. That's neat. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a pretty cool little story to look up. You know, we got our little teacher connection, right, Josh? Come on, man. I'd be happy for the guy. Yeah, yeah. Go subs. <laughs> go subs. Go subs. <laughs> what is the deal with a substitute teacher? You like what, what do you get? Like you don't have to be you don't have to have a real degree or something? Like what is that? How does that work? I no, you're supposed to have a degree. Okay. So sure. like you're just not you're not as cool as a teacher. You're not that that high level. Is that how it works? Like are like substitute teachers people who are like still trying to be teachers or something like? Like in in states where there's a lot of competition for teaching jobs, that's probably true. In Oklahoma, it's kind of the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so that's our flex locks of the week. So that's a little bit of feel-good story there. Let's move over to uh, foul or no foul before we wrap this episode up. Foul or no foul. Foul or no foul. Let's see what we have here, boys. I don't think I have any sports related questions on foul or no foul i went straight pop culture on your asses um so the first one here the first statement i have here is it's weird that kim kardashian photoshopped her daughter into their christmas picture after the daughter didn't want to take the picture foul or no foul would you say no foul yeah that's weird yeah i saw this (laughs) i thought it was weird too especially because i didn't realize how old their kids are now um so when i had first like read about it I didn't really process who it was in the photo that was photoshopped. And then like, I went back and was able to look at it after the fact. And I was just like, initially reading it and her statement around it is that, you know, the the daughter was having a day, Um, which to me, (laughs) when I read it, I was like, Oh, that's a nice way of saying temper tantrum. Yeah. But uh, then I looked and, how old is their daughter? Like I, I, I read that initially thinking that she was like going to be five years old. She looks like she's like 11. <laughs> so that's a drastic difference in the way that I process that. Cause like a five-year-old having a temper tantrum and you guys are taking a family photo for Christmas. Like, all right, sure. I get it. Like you, you don't want to try and wrangle them for that photo. Fine. But when it's an 11 year old, it, it, I don't know, it raises a whole nother set of questions. Like, did she not want to be in it for some reason? Did she not want it shared? Like, I, I don't, I don't think she's 11. I think she's like six years old or something. I think she is a little kid. No way. Seriously? I think so, yeah. I cannot judge ages of children. You <laughs> both have children. This is why I'm not a parent. All right. Josh. She looks way older than that. I'm looking at a photo right now. She's probably not 11. She's probably like eight or nine. But <laughs> nonetheless, like. She didn't. She didn't look like a five-year-old, which is what I had interpreted from reading about it ahead of time. So you guys aren't down with photoshopping your family members into the pictures? I think it's fine. I think it's a smarter decision if if you've got one acting up. Like that's way better than 
the alternative, trying to strong arm strong arm them in. Yeah, it's an interesting. It was an interesting move. I didn't even notice it. I guess a lot of people who like argue with pictures and picture editing and photography notice it like right away. I guess. But uh, yeah, it's a great Photoshop. I can't yeah, tell. It's pretty good. I'm looking at it right now, and I still can't tell. It's pretty good. The lighting a little different on her or something. They said the lighting looks a little different or something. But yeah, overall pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Yeah, I'm looking at this again, and now I feel really dumb for saying 11. I, I retract that <laughs> statement. I don't know what the heck I was I'm thinking telling before. You, she's like six yeah. years old. Five she's six. like six years old now, yeah. for sure. She yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little weird. It's a little strange. We'll see. That's a, Why whatever. are they all wearing sweats? What is this? I love that you're pulling this up while I'm talking about it. Oh, let's get that. Let's get that picture. Some more plugs. Everybody, start googling the image right now as you're listening. Yeah, they're all wearing sweats. They're very fashionable, man. Even the photoshopped image is wearing sweats. I but, love how she's just staring into your soul. No smile, nothing. <laughs> just like. <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Kanye's in the moment. <laughs> I don't know. What, I forget what made me think about it, but also, you know, Kim Kardashian. I don't know how many of these kids. I forget how many she birthed, but then she also did the thing where she had like, a, what is it, a surrogate? Oh like, really? Yeah, I her and no Kanye were like you they, know way more about the Kardashians. Than yeah, I do. I'm a little, I'm a little in tune, man. And I, I just I'm I, I not forget, shocked by that at all. I forgot what made me think about it because I was like, man, that's a real interesting thing to you know move to take. Like I feel like you know the whole birth thing, unless obviously like for health reasons you couldn't or something. I just feel like you know usually it feels like you know that's something you would want to do if you were going to have kids. So I was thinking to myself, I forget what, what brought it up, but I was like, man, why would someone choose to go that route? I mean, obviously her fame and stuff probably had everything to do with it, but it just feels like, man, you're kind of missing part of the whole, you know, the whole idea behind it, you know? So I was like, yeah, it's interesting. And I seen this picture come up and I was like, oh, here she is in the news again. So, yeah, I think if my kid wouldn't want to take the picture, I would not Photoshop them in. I'll just say my kid was being an asshole and she's not in the picture this year. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> Let's call it like it is. Let's not pretend. All right. Uh, the next one I found from Adam's timeline: um, new toilets designed to be uncomfortable, so that people won't sit on the toilet too long, would actually be effective in reaching their goal. Foul or no foul? First off, no foul. I just stand in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> Fuck you and your fucking piece of shit toilets. If I want to take a break, I'm taking one. Like honestly, it, it's so it's so insane that this is a thing. It's so insane. It's like. First of all, if, if if it's saying that after five minutes of sitting on this thing, the way it's built, you'll be uncomfortable, that means that a normal person would be able to sit on it for five minutes. Think about people who are extremely unhealthy or overweight. Like It cannot be right to design it that way. They're, they're not going to be able to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's got to be people that take more than five minutes just to go to the bathroom. Like everybody's body's different like what what is the idea behind this other than productivity is the most important thing and the only thing that matters and yeah it it's it's wild it, it was wild that uh it's even like a thing that somebody thought like hey how do we design toilets that make people not want to sit on them like that what <laughs> adam, adam, adam has a vision of all these obese people sliding off the toilet bowls no, not sliding, dude. It, it's made to put pressure on your knees. No, nah, I know. How, it's like absurd. I, I mean, for people who are overweight, I can only imagine it would cause like pain while trying to use the bathroom, which I'm sure like 
it's not an easy experience for every human being. So I don't know. It's it's wild to me. Yeah, for, I don't know, Josh. Did you see the article or the post on? Yeah, it's it, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll make. It's not, I think I read somewhere that it has something to do with the British. So I don't know if it's going to start over there or what, or if it ever will catch on over here. But yeah, for anyone who's not aware, basically this company has designed these toilets saying that they'll angle it like 11 to 13 degrees, making it so that, you know, it's basically not, you're not able to sit comfortably on it for an extended period of time because, yeah. you know, employers like you're just, feel... You're daring employees to find other ways to be unproductive. <laughs> exactly. People, if they want to beat the system, will always beat it. You're just wasting yeah. your time. Yeah. Listen, those bathroom breaks, man. I remember one of my first jobs ever working at Walmart. Man, I was sitting that bitch for hours. I'm like, they're not gonna remember where the fuck I'm at. That place was so much people in there. They're like, hey, a grocery truck is here. All right, cool. I go to the bathroom. I bring it back. Never coming back. I was in that bathroom forever. That toilet is not gonna stop me. I mean, to be fair, there's a reason this is being made. Is it's a real problem. <laughs> yeah, especially now that we have like cell phones and Wi-Fi and all this amazing mm, stuff. Back then, it wasn't yeah. that heavy, but yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, it's not going to work. But I hear you. Uh, the next one: charges should be filed against a 16-year-old girl who set up a fake kidnapping because her mother was being overprotective. She said. Wait, what? I didn't hear the end of this story. Is that serious? Yeah. That girl was that girl fake that shit? Yep. All right. Well, she should go to jail. Um, that's that's reporting. Well, no, because she didn't report the crime. Whoa. All right, wait a second. Did she commit a crime? Well, she staged her fake kidnapping. Yeah, I know, I don't know, but like which crime is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, exactly. Oh. It's not filing a false police report because she didn't file the report. All she did was have some friends put her in a vehicle kind of violently. <laughs> in front of her mom. Yeah. Um, first off, who are the dudes who feel secure enough in their life that they can just grab a 16-year-old girl off the streets and be like, oh, yeah, she was in on it. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, what that's crazy. is wrong with you? Those guys should be punished as though they actually committed a kidnapping, and she should be punished as though she's a co-conspirator. There. Let's let's kick it up to eleven. But she's sixteen years old. Let her out of juvie when she turns eighteen. It's all fine. <laughs> for those make an example. Of her. Yeah, for those who aren't aware of the story, it was everywhere on social media and on TV. Sixteen year old girl walking with her mom shows a car pull up. Like a few guys get out, grab her, pull her into the car, and leave the mom standing there. Uh, apparently, it says that she was found Tuesday after she walked to the address that she and her mother were initially going to Monday night. And then law enforcement obviously talked to her. And, uh, yeah, she said that she was a part of it, I guess. So, Oh, man. So I'm going to sidetrack this because one of my favorite well, – I, I don't know why I started with one of my favorite things. This hilarious thing happened at work when uh, this event transpired initially. And all that was known at that time was that this girl was kidnapped right off the street. And there's this video, this crazy video of her being put in a car. And it's caught on security cam. And two girls at my work were having a conversation about how this happens all the time <laughs> and it's just not reported. And it blew my mind. And it's hilarious now that it wasn't real yeah. because I don't know what statistics they're seeing that have. I mean, human trafficking is real. It yeah, does that's happen. real. That is real. the idea that people get grabbed off the streets and nobody hears about it is 
kind of mind-boggling to me. Yeah. I mean, there's but, a lot of missing people cases, and there is, a, like, a huge human trafficking thing going on in this country, but I don't know how much it's, like, in the middle of the broad daylight off the street like that. I don't know how it works. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think the perception of it being that is... is Less like something made out of movies. It's yeah. not like that. That's something a sixteen-year-old would make up, you know. And this whole thing with her saying her mother was being too overprotective, man. I don't know, man. Kids are so soft these days; it's ridiculous. They just they can't have anything. <laughs> my man. parents are being too overprotective, so I faked my own kid. That's ridiculous, dude. It's that crazy. will teach them. Yeah, I'm sure they won't be overbearing on you now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure that helped the situation a ton. He just made everything easier. Josh, man. What's wrong with these 16-year-olds, man? Yeah, I feel like she should get a full summer of, like, community service. Yeah, I mean, she also wasted, like, police resources, right? I mean, that's got to be something, isn't it? Yeah, she should not walk away from this without anything. Yeah, hopefully she gets something. Got to learn from your lessons. All right, the, uh, the last one here is I just seen that the Simpsons – turned 30 years old today so the simpsons cartoon tv show just turned 30 years old today and it is the most impactful cartoon ever foul or no foul i know i I, i'll give it to him i don't know why not i mean south park's got to be up there yeah i was gonna say foul and go south park those are the only two options we all know it that's what i wanted to see if you guys would pick south park except for maybe if you just are saying cartoon maybe then looney tunes because it was like the first but, yeah, I mean, those are the three, if you even could put any in consideration for, you know, most influential or most important cartoons of all time. I didn't realize when I was looking this up that, like, South Park's been out for, like, over 20 years. Yeah, they have now. I was like, damn, I did not have time flew, man. I yeah, well, I, and to me, it's kind of wild to think about it in the context of The Simpsons. Because when I think about the two, I think about The Simpsons have been on, like, this eternity and... You know, South Park was on for a small portion of that. But, like, when you think and you realize, like, oh, South Park started, like, within the first 10 years of The Simpsons, it seems kind of crazy to think about it in yeah, that context to me. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, no way. Like, it was in that first 10 years that it was out. I was like, man, that's crazy. Cause I, like you said, I think of Simpsons being way older. I don't know about you guys. I mean, we're all roughly the same age, but I still remember the very first South Park episode. I remember people watching it and I remember because I was in the fourth grade at the time and it was a very weird grade because it was like I didn't think I was allowed to watch something like that. But I was getting exposed to all these kids who did so that I had to watch it. And yeah, it was just the weirdest phenomenon. And I, I still remember it really vividly. And I remember sneak watching South Park for those first couple of years because <laughs> it was not OK. My mom was not OK with that content. Yeah, uh, South Park when it came out caused an uproar, man. I mean, oh, it still does. I mean, but yeah, it still does. But now it's it's so funny because they've just kind of gotten this free pass from society where like everyone's kind of okay with South Park just doing their South Park thing. But when it first started, I mean, cartoons of anal probes and like <laughs> just r- the most ridiculous stuff from episode one, and I mean, obviously it was a sensation because. Of, people's like need for for that sort of uh pushing of boundaries but between that and like jackass i, I mean that was 
just I don't know, like a revolution in television that happened all in a short period of time. Yeah, and, and the difference being, I mean, The Simpsons can be watched by any age, you would say, right? Uh huh. But South Park, obviously not. So there's a difference, you know, audience wise, probably. But yeah, Simpsons are always kind of. I mean, Simpsons like at one point were like, were they ever edgy? Like, were they considered like edgy or anything? Like, they've always had edgy content. That, that's why I, mean, I figured, especially yeah. like the Treehouse of Horror stuff. Yeah, so it's interesting that those two cartoons have lasted like the longest, and they've both been like the edgiest cartoons out there. So it's you know, for The Simpsons, I don't know how big a fan either of you guys are, but if I just said favorite episode and like first thing that comes in your mind, what comes in your mind for The Simpsons when you hear favorite episode? I got nothing. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. I don't have a favorite episode of The Simpsons. I'm just asking, like, does any like what comes in your mind? An image, like anything about The Simpsons? Like what? What is the first thing that pops in your head when you hear Simpsons? Sideshow <laughs> Bob. Okay, there you go. I like that. I mean, that that's such a classic character, and I all I always loved uh, Sideshow Mel as well because it was uh, Frazier and Niles from Frazier. Yeah, <laughs> and that always cracked me up. But Josh, what what would it be for you? Like, what first jumps in your head when you hear Simpsons? I really like Millhouse. <laughs> you are why. you are you the would, bud. You would. You are Millhouse. See, for me, I remember all, like, these weird Simpsons inside joke memes, like Mr. Plow, I think of immediately, or uh, there was a, do you guys even know what I mean when I say Mr. Plow? Nope. There was a short-lived, there was a single episode where Homer becomes a snowplow guy called Mr. Plow. I think I saw that. Yeah, it's a whole song. It's very good. Um, But then, like, I also think of Mr. Sparkles, which is this weird Simpsons episode where... Uh, a laundry detergent brand is using Homer's likeness as their mascot <laughs> and their mascot's called Mr. Sparkles. And it's this Japanese like laundry detergent. It's so good. <laughs> but like those, that that's the reason that I love the Simpsons is those are the kind of things that stick out to me are like those little weird details. And two of my best friends are just still to this day obsessed with that show, which is just wild to me. But yeah, that, th- those are the things that stick out to me. And then it always has that big uh, controversy how they predict stuff or whatever. Like I, I always see that kind of stuff too. Like, oh, Simpsons predicted this. Simpsons predicted that. You know, one of those funny things. But yeah, it's a good show. All right, cool. Simpsons, South Park, can't lose either way. Last thing I want to do, guys, before we end this episode is show and tell. I don't know if you boys brought anything to the to the party today. Um, my, I'm, I'm gonna just jump and get mine out of the way. My show and tell is actually these two Netflix series. Um, one's called movies that made us. And the other one is toys that made us. Um, oh yeah. Okay. I, I think, I think they're cool. They're both fun series to watch. Um, kind of relive some of your, you know, your nostalgia from your youth. You hear cool stories, kind of reminds you, brings you back a little bit, but also you hear some, you know, how, how they started, you know, the early struggles behind the scenes type of stuff. Like, for the movies, one they talk about like Ghostbusters and stuff, and like oh, we had this actor in mind, this actor in mind, and this happened. That guy died, this that. You know, like it's, it's kind of cool to hear all the stuff. Same thing with the toys. Like they have like Teenage Mutant Turtles, Power Rangers, and like all these kind of things. Like it's just fun to watch and kind of see like how they started. It kind of brings you back, you know, to your childhood a little bit. If those were your eras, um, but yeah, it's just pr- pretty cool series. They're fun. They're light. Nothing too serious. Uh, but movies that made us and toys that made us are both. I think they only have like a few episodes each right now, like four or five, if I'm right. But yeah, pretty fun, lighthearted episodes, but they're pretty cool to watch. 
That's all I got. Well, uh, I, I just started watching uh, the new HBO series Watchmen. Uh, just finished the first season. Uh, I didn't. It just finished the first season. I'm, I'm just two episodes in so far, but I'm really impressed by it. I, I, I heard a lot of people talking about how it's one of the best like self-contained seasons they've seen of any TV show. So I, I really had high expectations going in. Um, but through two episodes, it's, it's really interesting. Like, I don't want to get too into the details, but initially for me, like, I... I read the Watchmen graphic novel. I watched the movie. Like, I, I really like Watchmen, but that story just felt so flushed out that when I heard about the TV show, I wasn't super interested because I was just like, the story's already done. Like, I just immediately assumed it was just going to be another remake. And it's really a brilliant retelling because they're almost taking the Watchmen universe, which is super interesting, like the alternate history of it, and focusing more on the social political climate than on superheroes or their influence on it. Like the superhero stuff is definitely involved still, but it's such a, um, it's like a backstory to the universe that they're actually like telling the actual story in. Um, and the first, the very first episode also deals with a historical event um, that happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 that I was entirely unaware of until the series. And I, like, I'm sure many other people did when it actually happened, saw the social media uproar of all these people who had never heard of this event. And, um, I mean, there's no, there's no other way to describe it than a massacre. I mean, it was, it's a horrific event. Um, I, I don't even know exactly what the best search, um, parameters would be if you wanted to learn about it but it was 1921 tulsa and you could probably just say massacre and it will come right up um but essentially in tulsa oklahoma it was a very um wealthy black community for that that time period and um there were race-induced basically like lynchings i mean that's really the only thing you can call it um, and it's a horrible, tragic event. And I think it's something that's so crazy because it's something that I went through 30 years of my life not even knowing existed. And then to read about it because of a TV show, uh, I think it really shows the power of something like television to tell a very captivating story. And in that, spark you to look into things more. Uh, and I think that's one of my favorite things about TV shows. And ironically... Uh, Watchmen's actually written by Damon Lindelof, who was the lead writer on the television show Lost. And one of the things I loved about the television show Lost was they used to reference all these books that were phenomenal books. And I went on to read a lot of those books. And I really love the aspect of when a great television show can encourage you to do some sort of outside activity that isn't watching that TV show. But that kind of enhances your experience both in that TV show and then in your actual life. So... I really love Watchmen so far, but I think having that experience of like, here's this historical event and then learning about it because of the show that if they didn't depict it, I would have never knew ever existed is, is kind of mind boggling. Yeah, I did just see the headline on Twitter somewhere about that, too. And I've seen a lot of people talking about the show. I didn't know the show. So, so the whole season's done now? Yeah, I, okay. I believe it was a nine episode season and it's fully wrapped and everything that I've read on it, people are raving about how good it was yeah, so I, i'm definitely yeah i'm definitely excited to watch it through but through two episodes like yeah i'm i'm really 
taken aback by the type of story that it's telling. Um, I, I think I know what it's trying to do, if you will, um, and without like disclosing too much, I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah, no, I definitely gotta check it out. I've seen, like I said, I've seen a lot of people talk about it. I've seen people like trying to recap it and stuff. I'm like, ah, I don't want to see any spoilers, so I'm like trying to like stay away. But I didn't know the whole season was already over, so I could just go back and now binge watch it. I suppose so. I definitely need to do that. Josh, you got anything, my man? Yeah, so I got to spend the weekend with my dad and his friends, who are like on the very, very opposite political spectrum from me. <laughs> And, um, you know, it went really well, considering what it could have been. And I, I remember hearing a podcast years ago that just talked about, like, if you get into political conversations with people like that, just stick to specifics like laws, policies, actual real things, and stay away from the vague, ominous statements. And it, it works. In my experience with these people, it works pretty well. You know, you, you it starts out being like kind of a charged conversation, Trump and those things. And then when you start talking about like immigration and actual things that are happening, the fire goes out of the conversation. And that's the way I want it. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, see, I know what you're saying. You're saying like basically you take the names out, the people involved, the emotion involved. And you just talk straight up facts and just be human. And a lot of us are on the same page when we think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of political facts, so that's going to limit the conversation right there. (laughs) And and most people are the same way. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. There's a lot of things people can't have a conversation about, man. These days people just can't, uh, if you can't agree, it's just like the conversation can't be had basically. (laughs) And uh, obviously, like you said, the political climate right now is very uh, tense, to say the least. It's very tense. Adam, are you really political or not really? I used to be super political. I see you sharing um, things in your timeline sometimes that are political. So I was just curious. Yeah, I, I think that I'm more. Um, God, what's the best word for it? Uh, not disinterested. Um I find the entire political process to be very disingenuous and jaded. Um, jaded is fair. I think more or less I've basically gotten to a point. I don't know. The thing I used to say when I was in college that I probably still stick to is I think that it's all much like professional wrestling. You can root for whoever you want, but they've already written a script as to who's going to win. And we're just watching it play out. You can pretend it's real all you want, but I don't think it is. So, yeah, I guess if you had to ask, my political views are more conspiratorial in that regard. Like, I don't think that we actually have much influence over who is our elected officials. And I think that of all the options that are being presented right now, there's not really any that I think have a realistic shot of running this country that aren't basically put there by the elite that are already running this country and and a lot of other countries just based on how our economic system works. But yeah, I mean, without getting down a giant rabbit hole, essentially I'm more apathetic towards politics because I don't think that it's going to matter who we elect to the White House after Trump. It's going to be a lot more of the same. 
Clock Dodgers, where your voice doesn't count. <laughs> your vote doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> they count the votes. I mean, it's obvious that they count them. I just, I don't think it matters who gets elected. I would just like some better options. That's all I'm saying. Got I don't it. know. I mean, as far as like all the big things go, like it just they, they don't they don't seem to change. Uh, we're still we're still a war machine. We're still not going to stop that. So <laughs> yeah, so, like the, the faces change, the names change, but like the actual issues don't seem to change. Sometimes no, it's yeah. just it seems like it's a big show. Yeah, but we've got a good show at least. That's right. All right. Adam, any any good last tweet out there, man? Or did we already cover your last tweet? Oh no, I need to pull up the Twitter machine. <laughs> while he's oh, doing man. that, while he's doing that, Josh, are your articles still going or you're done? I wrote I turned in my last one today. Okay. But you're are you gonna keep writing after this or is just your waiver article and stops? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna write. Probably okay. best ball and I don't know what else over the offseason. Cool. So keep checking player profile articles from Josh. And you can find any new articles he writes at JC Crocker on Twitter. Adam, you got your last tweet up? I mean, my last tweet was about the uh, the the decline toilet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll go I'll go to my next tweet prior to that one that is somewhat relevant. Um, uh, someone on my timeline was uh, making the comment that they were going to be going to Chicago, and what's the one place you have to eat? when you go to Chicago. Uh, and to me, I separated it into two because I like cheat when people say one place. Um, but there are two of my favorite spots if you ever come to Chicago that I recommend to people. If you have an opportunity to go to a sit-down restaurant, uh, The Girl and the Goat is a really fancy place that uh, I've been to a handful of times and everything I've ever had there has been phenomenal. Um, but then... The one that I recommend to everyone whenever they come to Chicago is this uh, Korean fried chicken place called Crisp. And uh, if you've never had Korean fried chicken, it's just it's such a better experience than any other form of fried chicken. Um, just the the seasonings and the spices that they use. And oh, my God, it, it, it's making my mouth water. Just talk about it. But yeah, Korean fried chicken is freaking phenomenal and and. I, I'd love to try it at other places as well, but that that's been my experience is, is at this uh, this place called Crisp here in Chicago. So never had Korean food. Korean fried chicken does it have bones in it or no bones? Like chicken tenders? Or are we talking like chicken breast? I mean, technically you can do both because Korean is really like the seasoning that's put on oh, it and okay. the sauce. I mean, it's the way it's prepared. Um, but traditionally, it is like fried chicken, so it is traditionally with a bone in it. But I mean, the place crisp also serves tenders, and gotcha. I'll be honest, I normally opt for tenders as well because. I, too, don't like eating around bones. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll tell you one thing about Twitter. I've never had more debates with people on Twitter about anything more serious than food. Like politics, religion, all that stuff aside. Man, people will argue to the death about food with me. I don't know. Did you try talking about Damian Williams this offseason? Yeah, that's true. That's another one. <laughs> that's another one. I'll tell you, man. Like, people are I, still not friends over that. Nope. Some of my favorite analysts hate each other. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff that cause hoopla on Twitter, man. But how you eat your steak, how you want your steak cooked right now, was a was a heavy contentious one for me. Yeah, looks. I can't even revisit that at this nope, hour. <laughs> no way, no way. And then I seen the latest debate on Twitter was gay Jesus. I'm like, my God, you guys will argue about anything on this place. 
Twitter is a dangerous place to be. I'll tell you that much, man. It's a dangerous place. All right, that's it, guys. You can find Adam at the other FF guy. You can find Josh at JC Crocker. You can find me at Clock Dodgers. Those are all on Twitter. And we're going to have another episode next week, probably like a recap episode, like a year in review type thing. So we're not gone after this week. And then we'll continue to do podcasts, uh, fantasy football, but mostly at this point, we'll we'll see how we do it schedule wise. But we'll do some dynasty stuff and things like that in the offseason. And we'll, we'll find some fun stuff to do. So we're not going away. So don't unsubscribe after you win all your money this week. Don't go away. Don't disappear. We're going to continue to bring content um we'll figure it out we'll see how we do it but we're not gonna stop for sure so don't don't disappear on us we will be one of those fancy podcasts that continue to be updated on your on your uh what do you call that playlist i guess it's your playlist your feed there you go your podcast feed gotcha bam if you can leave a review if you rock with us we appreciate it um but like i said uh good luck to everybody we appreciate you guys it's been a fun season so far now you guys just have to finish it up if you have any questions you can hit these guys up on twitter we're always there to talk about stuff Uh, Other than that, guys, we love you as always. Be kind, be great, keep dodging.